0: Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Ling Colby, the editorial director at Cursed Dragonship Publishing. Our guest this week is Drew Williams, writer of space operas and recovering bookseller. He loves to write, and he hopes you will love these characters and their story as much as he does. He also has very strong opinions about Moby Dick, which we'll ask him about later. If he's not your favorite now, He will be after. (laughs) Yay! Um, Hey, welcome, Drew. How are you this evening? Cheers,
1: I'm Grant. How are you? How are your, your lovely viewers? (laughs)
0: oh they look nice they're active they're on and talking got henry on now too henry and kit and the moms are on and dave's on and we've got lots of people so we're gonna have fun tonight getting dave and all others (laughs) that's right that's right um let's see so we're gonna start with our normal question that readers love to ask and writers hate to receive so i apologize for doing this to you but i must represent the readers so the first question is where do you get your ideas
1: everywhere like that the, the thing about that question that always always struck me is that it's not a problem of getting ideas it's a problem of putting the ideas together it's like writing a book isn't like being desperate for that one great idea right writing a book is it's like making a jigsaw puzzle it's a thousand piece jigsaw and you have 30,000 pieces. It's about figuring out which ideas don't fit because that's – like the ideas are everywhere. Even if it's just walking down the street going, oh, hey, look at that car. That's a nifty-looking car. That's an idea. Like the shape of that car, the people inside the car, that's part of the idea. So it's the, it really is that notion of the ideas come from everywhere around you. They come from the books you read. They come from the video games you play. They come from the movies you watch. They come from the – your history, your friend's history, from everybody you know, it's just finding a way to sort of transmute them. You know, like that's the alchemy of storytelling, I think.
0: I love it. That's a great answer. Why did you start writing?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. That is one of those <laughs> weird like, Maybe I've just been hit on the head a whole lot. Like I have always written. I've written since I was a small child. Like, I don't remember a time where I wasn't telling stories and writing stories. Maybe I just like lying. You know, it could be that. I was a really good liar as a kid, too. But yeah, I've always told stories. So I don't really know. Why? It's really more of a compulsive tick than anything else.
0: Nice, nice. Well, at least you've put this to good use instead of becoming a con artist. I mean, it could have gone either way.
1: Exactly, no, it really could have. Like That That was the other option, pretty much, was, was you know, scamming old ladies in Boca Raton.
0: <laughs> Wait, did you choose wisely then?
1: No, probably not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so where is your favorite pra- uh, place to write?
1: literally right here like where you are looking at is where i write i just do it in the morning rather than and in the evening because i like to write when i'm not quite awake yet like basically the self-critical part of my brain hasn't woken up the part of the brain like that sentence sucks like that part's not awake yet but yeah i i am very much a creature of habit i write in the every morning in the same place every day like i i can't i can't do it well If I'm not there, I will you know, jot down notes everywhere. But no, the actual, the act of writing, I do right here at my desk every morning.
0: That's very clever. I think uh, Hemingway always said, write write drunk. And I think he just (laughs) meant you need to turn off that critical part of your brain. So you figured out how to do it. Exactly.
1: Without the, you know,
0: crippling alcoholism. Yes. Yeah, I'm working on mine. No, I found (laughs) that I can't write when I'm drunk because I think it's brilliant. And then I have nothing to work with later. So... You know, in the early years where you try all the writing advice you hear?
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you can get those great, great ideas. Speaking of where do ideas come from, you know, some of those are really good ideas. It's just that when you actually try to write them, not so much. It doesn't work. Those pieces don't fit. Yeah, they, they really do They're kind of soggy. That's
0: right. Depends on how good the night was. Um, let's see, in your The Universe After series, you chose to tell the story in first person. That's pretty unusual for science fiction. So what influenced this decision?
1: Um, interestingly enough, I write both in first and thirds. So I've written some things in first, I've written some things in third, and it really has more to do, Yeah, you know, it's a snap decision, right? It's, it's almost the first decision you make, when you sit down to write something like you sort of have to decide and that when I make that decision it really has more to do with perspective it's how tight do I want this perspective to be on this character because I'm looking at it and going okay I'm going to have a sprawling cast there's going to be dozens of characters going off on different adventures well you're not going to want to write that in first because you're not going to want to follow dozens of characters Mm -hmm. in first you're going to want to do that in third but if I'm going to be tight on a character I want to get that deep in their head, Mm -hmm. I I really do prefer first for being in first person, for putting you in that character's combat boots. Like it's just, it works immediately to me.
0: Excellent. So your series is considered space opera. How would you define that genre? Uh,
1: Space opera to me is very much science fiction without worrying about a lot about the science. Um, and, and that's that's gonna make everybody mad. But I mean, to me, that is kind of what it's it's. Almost it's not more important yeah. to me than the space part is the opera <laughs> part. It's that notion of telling these sort of big melodramatic stories, right? Mm-hmm. That notion of these things like, sweeping sagas. A space saga. I take that too. I take that sort of like Icelandic thing. Like, but yeah, it's it's I I want, I like space opera. I love writing space opera because of that notion of sort of those big emotional beats are more what I'm looking for. Like I'm not necessarily trying to figure out like a lot of science fiction writers are trying to figure out, and good for them, they're better at it than me, but sort of that question of where technology is going and what's it going to make us, and those sort of big picture questions, mm-hmm. those are great, but that's not what, necessarily what I'm interested in. I'm interested more in the the human side of the story, There's that sort mm-hmm. of emotional connection you forge with the characters. And to me, that I think that's what makes space opera space opera.
0: I love it, makes sense to me. Let's see, Dave's got a question. He wants to know, who are your science fiction influencers
1: or influences? It's That's an interesting one because I mm-hmm. the number one name that comes to mind isn't actually a novelist. The number one name, I feel I feel like, honestly, if you're writing science fiction now, mm-hmm. you're either engaging with this name or running as far from this name as you possibly can, by which I mean you're then defining yourself by this name. And it's not really George Lucas. Like, I'm sorry, it just is. Like, George Lucas is the 800-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to science fiction. You're either writing sci-fi influenced by George Lucas, or you're writing sci-fi trying desperately to prove that you're not influenced by George Lucas. And to a certain extent, Gene Roddenberry is even the same way, I think, in that those sort of two visions of the future, it's a lot like Tolkien. Like, if you're writing fantasy, you're mm-hmm. either acknowledging the influence Tolkien had on you, or you're going out of your way to write something as far from Tolkien as possible, which means you're acknowledging Tolkien. So yeah, honestly, it's got to be George Lucas primarily. I mean, it feels kind of like a cheat. Like, you're going know, to name authors, and you're going to say Arthur C. Clarke, and you're going to say Frank Herbert. That's all fair. And Robert Heinlein, I mean, even... Um, he wasn't necessarily writing space opera, but uh, William Gibson is a huge influence of in mine. But yeah, honestly... No, number one with a bullet towards Lucas. Yeah.
0: No, that's. I mean, with our generation, especially, right? Assuming we're close yeah. enough to the same generation, that that's yeah. definitely.
1: Yeah, very you know, much huge influence, influence on everything. On yeah. Those films, and that was just. Mm-hmm. I knew. Star, my perfect example for Star Wars is that I don't. I'm of the age where I don't remember. Spoilers, by the way. Um, <laughs> not knowing that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Right. Like that is something that was just always true for me. So mm-hmm. I literally don't remember seeing those films right. for the first time. They're just sort of baked in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, your mother says that she took you to it, but you don't yeah. actually, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Exactly, yeah, it's like, yep. if you say so, like what really happened was you guys wanted to see it and couldn't get a babysitter, but like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Details, well, details. details. <laughs> Um, let's see. So, let's see. Dave says, good chance Lucas never heard of it, but Space Battleship Yamada is a huge influence on me. Oh, that's awesome, Dave. Let's see. I guess it's anime. Are you a fan of anime? Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah, that was
1: in reference to an earlier comment about, uh oh, what about like Battleship Yamato? It isn't like Lucas. Lucas's ideas uh, didn't come up. Or came
0: up in a vacuum, sorry. Uh, Lucas
1: himself was stealing left, right, and center. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right there. I mean, mean, look at, um, oh God, my mind just went blank. Um, Akira Kurosawa and how much just from a a filmmaking perspective Lucas stole from him. I mean, look at how much he stole like the back and forth between uh, Return of the Jedi and, you know, the dune that wasn't the um, Jodorowsky dune. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. Lucas was absolutely a thief. Don't get wrong. But again, so was Tolkien. Like Tolkien Yeah, but was we're stealing. all
0: thieves. Yeah, Shakespeare yeah. was too. We're all thieves.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we all steal. And the, the, the trick is to steal from as broad a net as possible. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's what Jim Butcher says too, right? He's like, no, we are not invent, we're not reinventing the wheel here. You know, dirty exists. You just put your personality into it is what you do. Selman Rushdie actually in
1: uh, Harun and the Sea of Stories wrote it really really well. He talked talked about the, basically the sea of, it's a fable and it's literally there these sea of stories. And that's where where stories come from. And they come these fish swim through the sea and you know, they they swallow up the water and it gets combined inside of them and it comes out again and it's all mixed up and it's a different thing than it was when it went in. Like, and that's very much that notion of, yeah, it's, we're all drawing from the same well, but our experiences, our perceptions of the water in that well make it different when it comes from us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, and considering most, we're all fans here, that that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of this, have you watched any TV lately that you've really gotten into?
1: Um, weirdly enough, during the whole like quarantine is horrible, I have, I don't know what the last, no, I watched WandaVision. That's true. I loved WandaVision. Oh my but gosh. it was so good. That's about the only thing new. Like that's about the only thing that's not like five years old at least that I've watched over the last year. Like everything else has all been like ancient. It's like, no, I, I don't wanna, I can't deal with like new concepts right now. And it's all just so weird watching like new stuff now without like people wearing masks and like people you know shaking hands. Like that's fine if I'm watching something like made in the nineties cause it's set in the nineties. Like, yeah, okay. They didn't have to deal with that in the nineties, but something that's like supposed to be contemporary. It just seems weird.
0: Feels wrong now.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: You're like I need my comfort TV. <laughs> um, if you could write in any world that wasn't your own, which world would that be?
1: So I can, oh, sorry, if I could write in, in. and in, yes, so I am doing the writing whilst in the world. Or no, I no, no, no. Like George
0: Lucas in. called George Lucas yeah. calls you and say, "Hey, I need Star Wars stories," like that kind <laughs> of thing. So whose world would you like to write in?
1: Yeah, i Star Wars is definitely up there. I I'd, I'd take a crack at Firefly. I'd love to take a crack. Yes. At Whedon, I mean, going back to one division, I'd love to crack at Marvel. Like there are corners of the Marvel universe that I'd, be, I would be overjoyed to take a crack at. Um, so again, I'm just naming at this point, I'm just sort of naming tentpole science fiction franchises. I'd write an Aliens something in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. honestly, anything James Cameron's ever been involved in, I'd, I'd Titanic, I'd write,
0: Titanic. Yep.
1: I would absolutely, are you kidding me? I would love to write Titanic. I'd probably make it genre. Like I'd probably add some sort of like supernatural twist and everybody would hate it, but I would absolutely write uh, some the Titanic two, the ghost Titanic. <laughs> like, yeah. I like that. And that's why I'd do it and I'd have fun. No one would read it, but I'd have fun.
0: But I would have fun. I mean, you've got to have fun. Otherwise what's the point? Exactly. Well, let's see. So, for your own work, if you could spend the weekend with one of your characters, who would it be, and where would you go?
1: All of my characters terrify me. That's (laughs) sort of the thing. Like I, these are all they're very traumatized people who have like been through these incredibly excruciatingly difficult times. That like I feel like they'd all look at me like, no. We have nothing in common person who's never had to, like, fight for their life, person who never, like, you sit behind a screen and type stuff. That's, no, uh uh-uh. Yes, like, again, that's it, also just one of those, like, how would they know that I was their writer? Like, mm-hmm. would I be some sort of, like, and then they'd really hate me for that, wouldn't they? Like, they'd be like oh, you, you're our god you're a terrible god. Like I'm going to reach up to the mountain and tear you down because of all that you've put us through. I hate you so much, is how I assume my character. So maybe don't confess. Uh, yeah, just, just lie. Just like, yeah, I'm Chad. Um, <laughs> Do you I'm like a Fizben thing,
0: right? You know, <laughs> Fizben from Dragonlance where you pretend you're not a god? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hello, fellow
1: mortal. I am just one of you. <laughs> There with the who likes cheesesteaks? Do you still have cheesesteaks? I can't remember if I wrote cheesesteaks. <laughs> Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> right. You're
0: gonna love this. You're gonna love this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, that would be the worst, though. You know, I never thought about that because we do torture our characters, right? Because yeah. that's how we really find out who we are, right? So if We're torturing them. I don't know. I'd want to spend a weekend with them because I'd feel guilty the whole time.
1: Like even if they didn't know, it's like, oh I I did that to you. Like I was directly responsible. Like you over there, the ones like missing an eye? Yeah. I I, I, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. To change that question. It's a mean question. What was I thinking? Again. My, my filter is a little bleak, so I'm going to turn
0: a lot of these into avenues you maybe didn't expect. Well, that's weird you said that though, because there's a lot of comedy in your work. So there's a lot of humor. There's humor, like I read stuff, the, so both um, in your books, in interviews, um, when you're writing about other people's books, it's all you know, it's all humorous. So why do you put all that humor in there? Why is that important to you?
1: It's a coping mechanism. It's absolutely, it's, mm. it's something I do when I'm nervous. Um, no, humor, I think from a writing standpoint, humor is very important to me because it's a cheat, because it's a shortcut. We like people who make us laugh if someone is funny, we're gonna like that character more. And that means we're gonna care when awful things happen to that character. If I, I can make a reader like a character with three lines of dialogue, so long as at least one of those lines is a killer joke. Like if the first thing a character says on the page is really funny, you're gonna like that character. And you're gonna be immediately emotionally invested in that character, which I think is what we're all looking for when we're writing these characters is a way to get the reader involved.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Like when you mentioned Firefly, none of those people, at least most of them, are not really good people. Yeah. They make us laugh and we forget about the, you know, trauma until you see what they actually happen to them. And then you're yeah, like,
1: they, ah! They flawed people, but we like them because they're funny, because yeah. they remind us sort of of our friends. And we feel like we're part of that, group we feel like those are our friends and we're rooting for them to succeed
0: yeah that's a good point so um as a bookseller as you were in a previous life what books do you recommend most often
1: um again the thing about being a bookseller is it depends entirely on what someone comes into the store asking for Mm -hmm. and here's the thing that i couldn't say as a bookseller, but I will absolutely say now is the best thing you can possibly do is move people one rung up the ladder from whatever awful thing they're reading. So if someone comes in and really, really likes, um, I, I, I still I can't overcome the bookstore thing where I don't want to name a specific author because like I don't want to offend somebody. You but might meet them
0: someday. You never know.
1: Exactly. Let's say they come in and they they really really like an author that you're like, wow, that's that's awful. You can't then immediately turn them on to an absolutely fabulous author, right? You have to find some place in the middle that you can sort of like gradually move them toward. But no, um, sorry, that was <laughs> tangent. Uh, I solely I loved selling Tana French just because Tana French was that, that great answer to people. A lot of trends at the time when I was bookseller were those sort of um, psychological thrillers, those sort of genre writers that girl with dragon tattoo, mm-hmm. the, um, there's another big one that is just completely slept by the Gillian Flynn stuff. Mm-hmm. And when people would finish those series, they'd come in and look was next. And I'd always push them towards Tana French just because she's one of my favorite authors, but she also filled that niche so well, that if people liked that sort of book, they were going to like her. her. So again, it has, it's, I love her me Wrong, but it was also because mm-hmm. she was a good fit for what was selling.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Good answer. I haven't even okay. heard of her. I'm gonna have to look it up. I must've missed something.
1: Irish was supposed crime writer, so it's not a um, genre because it's mystery, but it's not science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's not fantasy. It's oh, so what? not necessarily the same circles.
0: We only sell speculative fiction, but I read everything. Oh, there we go. I love yeah. to read. Yeah, it's reading my the personal reading habits. Character. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> no, I believe it's important to read widely.
1: Absolutely.
0: And we have. Let's see. We have someone on called Medusa's Mirror. I don't know if you know who that is. Yep. You have a new person on. Hi, Medusa. And Jacob joined. And yes, awesome. So I just read them just in case it's someone you know. I want the fans to know yep. that you know that they are here. <laughs> Also oh and remember 100- if you have any questions put them in the thing. what's up <laughs> <laughs> remember that if they're not fans before they will be after that's the whole thing um let's see oh let's see dave says your titles are excellent at I what know. point in writing in the writing process do you come up with the title
1: uh different for all three books the very first book Was literally just called Stars the whole time. I I am terrible, especially with first books in a series with working titles. Like I'm, I'm, you're lucky I didn't just call it Space Opera. And (laughs) the actual title was pulled from a a line of dialogue in the book, and then the second one came to me. And I knew the second one before I even knew what the book was about. um, And just sort of came out of nowhere. And so then I had to go the opposite route because the first one was line of dialogue in the first book. I had to fit the second title into a line of dialogue in the second book. And then the third was sort of roughly between the two, like came up with it relatively early in the process, but not like all the way at the end or all the way at the beginning.
0: Hmm. Well, that's nice. So, And they let you keep your titles then, they liked them.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the, 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 oh, there was a, I think the third one Okay, I'm, I'm not gonna look behind me at the other shelf to see where it is. So now, if they changed some of the grammar, I think originally it was flames was plural. It was firmament of flames, and they changed it to the firmament of flame. I think. I'm gotcha. honestly not sure. I may be wrong about part of that. It may have gone in the other direction. But yeah, that's the only one.
0: Well, it <laughs> they, does say the firmament of flame. I can read it. So you've got. I, okay.
1: Yeah. 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 So and in, originally it was flames was plural, and someone was like,
0: gotcha. yeah, it
1: works so well." I was like, "Okay." Whatever you, say.
0: <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to let them have it. Yep. Absolutely.
1: That's a, like, I, oh, I say energy for the big fights. <laughs>
0: That's right. Exactly. That's exactly true. Just like raising children. You got to pick your battles, man. Um, Kit, Kit says the title, title's been taken. I think it was one of the earlier, and she was saying, like, just the stars. But, Kit, titles cannot be copywritten. That's why you'll go through and you'll look up a a title and there'll be a bazillion of them. Even Space, yeah, Space Opera. She said that title's been taken. If you look up, no, you cannot um, copyright a title. You can name it anything. There were
1: like three books called Pagan Babies. I have no idea what like (laughs) cultural phenomena happened that three authors at roughly the same time decided that pagan babies was what they were gonna go for. But one was like an Elmore Leonard book. I think the other one was sort of speculative fiction. I can't even remember what the the third was, but yeah, to the point that like you can't copyright a title. Yeah, three (laughs) authors entirely separately all said, pagan babies, that's what we're gonna go with.
0: Different genres and everything. Yeah. It's so weird, but yep, you could just use them. So one of the first things you learn that's why I—I I mean, my one of my new books is called *The Collector*, and of course, I was not smart enough to search how many *The Collectors* there were. But you know, it's okay. It's done. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, let's see. So, what hobbies do you enjoy to refill your creative cup?
1: Uh, weirdly enough, I am—I pretty much all I do, hobbies-wise, is consume creative media. So, like, I watch movies, I play video games, I watch anime, I read books, I read comics. But it's all. Sort of that sort of consumptive uh, Mm -hmm. of, uh, and mostly narrative media too. Like I like stuff with a story. I don't so much get into music. You know, I play guitar badly because I'm a a white guy who at one point was in his twenties. Like that's just (laughs) it's required. Exactly. Like it's like okay, here's what's gonna happen. You can either be into sports or you can play guitar badly. Choose.
0: (laughs) And you're like, wait, running? Give me the guitar.
1: exertion no Uh, no (laughs) but yeah yeah honestly like honestly probably spend more time with video games than anything else because that makes me feel like I'm active even though I'm not at
0: all I said man if if I had to walk as much as my characters do in the games I'm playing I would be in such good shape like my my, my heart's
1: pounding my pulse is up this is like exercise right this is cardio somehow
0: (laughs) totally counts I say it counts
1: Playing Dark Souls um, shaves how many years off my life? That's like.
0: <laughs> oh, I just played a uh, Little Nightmares the first one. And yeah, there was enough creepy things in there, my heart was going very fast.
1: That scared the bejesus out of me. I actually just started so, okay. that like about a week ago and like was like, no, it's it's like it's like two in the morning. I, I need to find something with like plush cuddly pandas or something to play <laughs> right now. Cause no, I'll go back to this in daytime.
0: Oh, so creepy. It's so much fun. Um, Let's see. So uh, I asked you that one. What project that's in progress or not started are you most excited about?
1: I... Okay. Can people actually answer that question? Because I feel like... I, uh, I feel like I'm like not allowed to answer that question. There are oh. various agreements that I would be breaking by answering that question, or I would absolutely jinx myself by, so that, yeah, that, sorry, that one's, that was my mulligan. I'm going to mulligan on that one.
0: Oh, I see. I'm going to have to ask you the hard one then. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like that one, we'll have to ask, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream?
1: I am the most boring ice cream person in the world because i my favorite flavor of ice cream is i like rocky road ice cream right rocky road ice cream's good but it's too strong for me because i'm a weenie so i mix it with vanilla ice cream like that's that i have to cut my like strongly flavored ice cream so i have two tiny cartons of vanilla and rocky road and i mix them because i'm apparently like a a mormon i don't know (laughs) apologies any mormons in the audience
0: gotta have that ice cream in that's so funny um let's see we have oh you know kid has a good point she says you can have a dead project that you liked so is there a project that just didn't work and you had to put in a drawer
1: uh, and again, I I very much like to me, those are still alive projects, like regardless, no matter how many people passed on them, no matter how many people said you cannot publish this, like you don't understand, you will be burned at the stake if you publish this. I don't care. Like as far as I'm concerned, that, that is still maybe one day somehow that will happen.
0: It'll hit the right chord.
1: But still, it's still to me, it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not saying, Kit, that you're like dancing at the graveside of the child that I've buried, but you know, this is a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fine. Let me believe. Let me believe. <laughs> I just need to believe. Um. <laughs> see, I just put them away and never want to look at them again. <laughs> So how about when you create the alien races of your world, how do you picture them? Like, do you sketch them out? Do you think of aliens from pop culture and extrapolate? Or do you look God, at your pet's I cross-eyed?
1: Ability to actually sketch them out. Um, no, I tend to start with animals. I tend to start with, okay, this alien race is, you know, the this animal, but sentient. This animal, you know, the basic question is what would Humanity be like if we had evolved from something other than simians, other than apes, and that's sort of my starting block. Is sort of what does a you know creature that was a, a an alpha predator like a crocodile, what is what happens when that creature evolves uh, to our level of sapiens? Like, how is their society different? How is their technology different? And so that's sort of you know when, when they're facing very different. Conflicts during that evolution, conflicts with each other, conflicts with their ecosystem. How does that change? That's the question you always want to ask, right? When it comes to aliens, is how are they like us and how are they different from us? Like, and somewhere in between those two is where you find it. But yeah, I almost always start with animals. Like in my head, it's very much okay. That's the owl one. That's the snake one. That's the crocodile one. That's the wolf one. Like that's sort of always my starting point.
0: Excellent. So if you could have any pet, any pet in the world, what would it be?
1: It would absolutely be a dragon. And it would very specifically, oh, very specifically be a dragon from Naomi Novik's uh, Temeraire books. The, the...
0: So what's special about those dragons?
1: They they talk. So like, okay, pet is actually weird, like a little bit of weird. No, no, it, that's okay. You're good. You're good. And I want to be like, because yeah, that's actually a plot point in the series is that they're basically like being enslaved. And it's not good. But, you know. Oh. <laughs> Um, they, they, they talk, they do that very fantasy thing where they, you know, bond with the human that, that is first there when they're born. And so they're like, I'm your best friend forever. And it makes you cry because you're a big weenie like me. Uh, and Novik's just a fantastic writer and I love those books. But yeah, that, 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 is, that's an easy answer. Done.
0: Yeah. Dragon's <laughs> an easy answer. Yep. I have to tell, I have to tell some writers, remember only speculative writers told you I'm like, it can be a pretend creature. <laughs> <laughs> It it be with, be this wombat nonsense. You can have a gargoyle. <laughs> like,
1: you can have a dragon. You can have a unicorn. You can have a <laughs> unicorn dragon.
0: Like, <laughs> anything you, <know>? you want.
1: <laughs> Chichillas. Don't all look at them. They take a dust bath. Even you know,
0: dragons take fire baths. That's cool. My burned dragons are pretty soft. <laughs> you are pretty soft. No, i take a talking dragon too. That would be nice. Or just a nice wyvern that doesn't talk. You know? Yeah. It's more like a horse, so. Eat my enemies, it's always a plot. That's
1: really what I'm for, eating of the
0: enemies. Right, and my enemies tend to be like, I don't know, the HOA. So i feel, <laughs> oh yeah, HOA, you don't like the decoration in my yard? Or send the dragon <laughs> after him.
1: <laughs> let's see how your yard looks now, huh? How does your yard look, Tammy?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I'm looking at the things. Those dragons are also the size of aircraft carriers. Oh, Medusa says the dragons are also the size of aircraft carriers.
1: Some of them, not all of them. Some of them, some of them.
0: Yeah, you're definitely going to need land.
1: Yes, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. But still, I mean, like there might be a smallish one. I look, at the size of a horse, size of a dog, even. Like, leave me alone. Fucking <laughs> dragon.
0: She wants. He wants that kind of dragon, just smaller. How's that, Medusa? Does that yeah, satisfy? Yeah. I, I yeah. think that's. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking aircraft carrier. I'm like, ooh. Let's see.
1: Um, well, just beating the aircraft carrier-sized dragon might also be a bit of a problem. Like the, right. the, you know, the head of cattle.
0: Yeah, I day. Yeah, no, I yeah. can't. <laughs> mm. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be hoarding a treasure somewhere and sleeping and not eating all of our food? Um, and the cleaning up after the eating the head of cattle not so much fun either. No.
1: No. And no. plastic bags quite big enough for that. <laughs>
0: They're magical. Can we make them just soak up sunlight and be fine? I mean, come on now. Done. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's how it should be. The teeth are just for decoration. Um, let's see. What is your least favorite chore around the house?
1: Oh, can I just say, like, chores in general? Okay, is, <laughs> is it just cleaning... So, yeah, get Very specifically, though, like, cl- cleaning in that, like, I'm fine with, like, picking stuff up, but I'm fine with, like, you know, doing the dishes. But the, the actual, like, getting out the vacuum and, like, again, dusting. What is the point in dusting? Like, dusting is the dumbest thing that is actually vaguely necessary. Like, no, it's not hard, but it's stupid. You feel stupid doing it. You feel like you're in a French farce and you should be wearing a frilly apron while you run around with a little thingy. Like, yeah, I yeah, dusting, dusting. Okay. is the answer.
0: I like that. I like that. It's repetitive. That's it the problem. Really, I like that.
1: and it's all repetitive. about getting to places you don't ordinarily reach, which just uh-huh. means you're going to feel bad for not using whatever it is you haven't been getting.
0: Yep. That's exactly it. Then you start wondering, do I need all this crap?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <sighs> That's where I always end up. Why do I have all this crap?
1: Yeah. Why is there so much stuff in this house? <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
0: where does it all come from? It is not my fault. <laughs> Well, sadly, usually. Um, What is your idea of a vacation?
1: At the moment, a vacation would be going literally anywhere that's not this house. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally anywhere.
1: (laughs) A a mile that away, that's a vacation. No, I mean, okay. you say the words a vacation. I, I am very much in that, like, what comes to mind is going to the beach. Like, call me basic all you want, but it is very much that, like, Mm-hmm. Little, you know, okay, pretend I have money, but little house on the beach somewhere, not crowded beach, you, know, you wake up in sunset, you have your coffee, oh look, there's, this, there's the ocean, you go swimming, there's a porpoise, and you play with him, and he tells you all your secrets, and you go to have the magical world thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, beach, going to the beach. That's my answer.
0: So where do your ideas come from again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> a porpoise told him to me. <laughs>
0: That's my pet. He lives in my pool. Tells me all the secrets. Um, so, what is the best thing that you have ever, or at least recently, eaten?
1: That is a really good question. I honestly like uh, oh, that's that. That is the first one of these that I'm like that's legitimately a stumper. Like, I'm flashing through, like, every great meal. And you know what the answer is? Probably, like, something—it's, like, a that hot dog I had in New York at 3 in the morning when I was 13. Like, it's probably honestly the answer. Like, it's one of those, like, I, I would love to say, like, oh, yes, when I was in Paris, I had this wonderful little outdoor cafe and there was a, but no, the answer is a New York hot dog at three in the morning at
0: 13, most likely. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm going to go with that, that hot dog. Actually, I like that answer, because then what, what that says to me is it was more about the experience you were having than it was yeah. actually what the heck you were eating. Absolutely, yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, Let's see. And what is the first thing you want to do when it's safe to do things again?
1: The very first thing I want to do, I think, probably would be just walk. Like, you can do that now, but it feels weird right like if you've got the mask on and it feels like people are like oh what's that person doing out there like as much as i would love to say like go to a movie theater i honestly don't like i think that part of my brain may be broken like that the part of my brain that's going to be comfortable sitting in the dark with 300 people Mm -hmm. i don't know that i'm gonna want to do that even when it's safe to do that like sorry for any theater audio owners Watching, but like that's gonna, as much as I miss going to the theater and I love going to the theater, Mm -hmm. that may, like that connection in my brain may be sort of permanently broken. But yeah, I do think the answer is just sort of be out in general. Like -hmm. just that notion of being able to sort of wander around and not have that conception in your head of sort of, okay, am I being responsible? Am I making other people feel like I'm not being responsible? Am I making other people feel safe? Am I making, like just not having to worry about any of that and just being able to sort of be out, I think is is my answer.
0: That's a good answer. Um, Kit says if you wanna go out and walk and look normal, you just carry a boom box. See, so instead of they'd be like, What are you doing? They'd be like, Cool, who's that guy?
1: He must be going <laughs> to sit under someone's window, play some Bill Collins, and subsequently get arrested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're so in the movie. Isn't this, isn't this cute? We're six feet apart. <laughs> it's Peter Gabriel, though. <laughs> That's right, it, is. it is Peter Gabriel. <laughs> that is See, same generation I've seen. <laughs> this different part of Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Um, let's see. Do we have another question? Did I miss one? No. Well, you were asking that of me. Like, I knew have questions. I'm just sitting here like making stuff up. Oh, didn't we tell you that you're supposed to ask me questions now? That's how this works. Oh, that's how that this was works. your turn. Yeah. Right. No. No. That's not how that's this
1: works. <laughs> cerulean. That's the question. Figuring out where the question is in there is the question.
0: Mm, I don't know. The first thing I think is sky. I mean, it's beautiful. Blue, gorgeous. I mean, there's probably some cerulean in here somewhere. Totally works. All blue. It's there we go. go. <laughs> yep. Let's see. Uh, Jacob says you should roam the earth like jewels. You know what?
1: That That is absolutely what I would do. In it. And like, you know, some might call it being a bum, but they get shot in a toilet two days later. So who cares? <laughs> it's
0: fine. <laughs> be the most freeing two days of your whole life. <laughs> I always think it would be fun just to roam, except I would be like, um, I'm hungry and I need a shower. It, it wouldn't last very long for me. Mm-mm. Where's no. the
1: nearest Motel 6? Is that still <laughs> roaming? Like, that's right.
0: <laughs> technically. <laughs> like I, think, I think even came
1: from Kung Fu, like, I have to sleep in a bed every once in a while.
0: <laughs> I, uh, that's hilarious. Um, let's see. Do you like beer? Do you drink beer?
1: uh I'm, well, I'm actually a recovering alcoholic so the answer is so yes
0: n- <laughs> i like beer a lot <laughs> <laughs> but you don't drink it so i got it yeah, i got it yeah, okay There you go <laughs> there you go you never know you never know that's what i was asking um so let's see i guess finally oh no actually i forgot i had a very important question
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's your problem with moby dick i hate
1: Moby Dick my problem with Moby Dick is Moby Dick is awful that's my problem with Moby Dick like I'm Moby Dick is up there with Finnegan's Wake in terms of I don't think anyone actually enjoys these they just force themselves to find meaning in them because if they can't then the eternity they've spent reading these books has been wasted and they can't wrap their minds around that they just can't admit that they were conned into reading Moby Dick or Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan's Wake, by the way, has always been a con. Joyce admitted <laughs> yes. it was a con. The whole Nuh-uh. point is, a, is to be a con. Moby Dick is just terrible. Like that, that, that. At least Joyce was doing Finnegan's Wake on purpose. Moby Dick is just awful. Sorry. No. It's it's how long is that book? Eight hundred pages. That is seven hundred pages of a tiny print. Lot, a tiny, tiny print of incredibly mundane nautical like research and a hundred pages of the most obvious narrative possible. You can't take revenge on an animal. It doesn't remember that it hurt you. Guess what? That's it. That is the extent of narrative. End of the book. I just saved you 820 pages of nautical word. I can't say probably on Twitch.
0: Oh, (laughs) no, no. Twitch is pretty open. You're fine. Okay. Yeah. Ash says you're (laughs) awesome. She completely (laughs) agrees with you. I laugh because I never liked Moby Dick either. So, But people would sing its praises and I would just look at them and not say anything. Because I wasn't confident enough to say what you just did. Yeah,
1: look, I'm, so. always, I'm always a big believer in the notion that people are allowed to like different things. You know, everyone <laughs> has different experiences. That means they enjoy different things. Except for people who enjoy Moby Dick because they're all assholes.
0: <laughs> Elitists. <laughs> Elitists. That's what I always said. So, um, Oh, okay. We have two more questions. One, do you prefer Mexican or Italian food?
1: Mexican like that, that don't be wrong that, that that's a harder question than I just immediately answered so maybe it wasn't but like I do love Italian food but no th- th- at the end of the day it's Mexican like mm-hmm. it just is like sorry I don't have a better answer for that I'm pretty much no just, like, that was a good answer but,
0: Yeah, I told just, you like, we're the yeah. podcast of serious <laughs> questions so good job <laughs> so finally what I would like to know is where can fans find you and your work
1: they can find my work wherever great books are sold um, uh, yeah, now, primarily in terms of social media, I spend most of my time on Twitter. That's where I do, and I have no idea what my Twitter handle is. I think it's just drew Williams IRL, which is the handle I use, but yeah, that's primarily where I do most of my musings. And yeah, the books, Universe after Drew Williams on amazon it's on hopefully at your local booksellers if you know you can buy from them because the quarantine i don't really know how to do that pitch anymore everything is weird <laughs> okay. it's all changed there's no more book signings i don't know how to sell books anymore exactly like okay. i just had that knee-jerk like send
0: them to the local bookseller and like hopefully i can still do that <laughs> depends on what state they live in true all right Excellent. Well, Drew, you were awesome. So everyone, please get Drew's books and don't forget to leave reviews, reviews mm-hmm. of the present that you leave, leave for your author. And also please sure. review this podcast so that more people can find us and discover all these amazing authors. And we will see you next week when we have uh, Laurel McGargon. So that'll be fun. So we'll see you next time. Thanks, Drew.